What's up, Ridger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, we were joined by an amazing guest, Katie Spots, an Ohio native. Uh, she just completed the run across Ohio, completing 11 ultras in 11 days. The challenge was a part of her Run for Water Challenge, which is currently raising money for everyone to have equal access to clean, safe water. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Honors Live. Tonight, we are joined by someone who recently finished running across the state of Ohio, completing 11 ultras in 11 days. This challenge was a part of her Run for Water Challenge, which is currently raising money for everyone to have equal access to clean, safe water. To date, 25,000 people have gained access to clean water through her adventures. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Katie Spots, how are you doing? Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, it kind of feels like um, when you're a kid and you have to go back to school and it's like, wait, the, the fun is over, the adventure's over. And I've been like keeping in touch with the crew and everyone's on the same page where we're like, oh, we miss it. We want to go back to the trail. And I think that's to be expected. But physically, I'm definitely recovering. Mentally, I'm still like, I want to be running. So I think, yeah, every time I've gone on a big adventure, there's definitely a transition period. That makes sense. And, you know, knowing you, I'm sure you already have your next big adventure uh, lined up in some capacity. So we'll dive into that maybe a little bit later. But and joining me tonight is uh, our favorite host, JD3. What's going on, man? Not too much. I'm doing pretty well. Excited. Long day at work. And I'm excited to sit down here and talk to Katie about this run across Ohio um, and all the stuff that she's doing with that and the great benefits towards other people. So I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a super awesome episode. Uh, before we dive too deep into things, we do want to remind everyone that if you, if you have any questions for Katie, uh, drop those in the chat. This is going to be such an epic adventure. There's going to be so many twists and turns of this story over the 11 days that I'm sure. But uh, if you have any questions, drop those in there. We'll try to get to as many of them as possible throughout this hour or so that we have with Katie. Uh, let's just start off at the beginning, Katie. I want to know, you know, when was the first time that you decided, okay, I want to run across the state of Ohio. Uh, for a little back context, you've done a couple other states previously. Uh, Ohio is your home state. Why did you choose the other ones first? Uh, what was it? What was it like kind of coming back to Ohio? Yeah. So, I mean, I have logged a lot of miles training in Ohio and being born and raised in the Cleveland area. And I think, you know, the, the ideas would come doing training for like Ironmans and um, just constantly being and wanting to explore new places. And so I've gone on a lot of adventures, like beyond Ohio and even as far as like New Zealand and Australia. And I always had this sense of why don't I just do one from home? There's so many places right in our backyards. And, you know, it's often the, the tourists that see our own cities more than we do. And I just love the idea of being an explorer in your backyard. And so I wanted to do that run uh, two years ago. But with COVID, I, I did change. So the original plan was to do it um, last summer. But um, with COVID, I did change to, to do it in Maine. So Maine was different in that it was like 138 miles in one shot. And Ohio was over the course of 11 days. And um, yeah, 
I, I just, yeah, I love seeing new things and um, the, the, it was like a, a, a record and like the previous holder ended up doing it on a 400 meter track. And I, I just can't imagine how boring that would be in comparison to constantly being, um, you know, engaged by what am I going to see next? Who am I going to need, uh, meet next? What, what does the trail have to offer? And so I just, yeah, I love exploration and um, I think it's a really cool thing that Ohio happens to have a trail, uh, the Ohio to Erie trail that goes whatever, 326 miles across the state. So um, yeah, definitely all about the, uh, the adventure and then also doing it as a fundraiser for clean water. So yeah, and I would have to agree, you know, us being, Wesley and I, especially trail runners, and this being a trail running and ultra running show, like being out on the trails is is definitely the way to go versus being on a track. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Definitely got, we got our first question already in the chat from uh, Rob Buckeye Powell. It says, how do you train for something like this? And congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I've been, uh, you know, I feel like, I, I will say you've been training for things your whole life. Like everything is preparing you for what's next. However, I did not train. And I know that sounds like wild. And I, I actually am recovered more from this than from vigorously training for six months for the run across Maine. But, um, I thought I could do the splits and it turns out I cannot. And instead I strained my hamstring. And so the best thing I could do for training was not run at all. So, um, yeah, some of my friends were like, wow, you really haven't been training for real when they see like on Strava that I, I just, I haven't been running. And so, um, yeah, I, I didn't train for this one and it was like a huge leap of faith. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, even when I wasn't running, it was all about re recovering from running. But if, if I, it, it's so, it's such a big challenge that I don't even know how I would, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't the plan to not, to not run before it really, but that's just how the chips fell for this one. So kind of with all of that being said, then how did you mentally prepare going into this? I mean, knowing that previously you were a little undertrained from your previous adventures and kind of how did that mental preparation going into that yield to such big success in this journey? Well, I mean, there is a saying that like no one starts a race being like, um, like you're better off being undertrained than overtrained. And like the people who aren't there are the ones who overtrained and got injured. And so I tend to feel like a lot of the endurance stuff, it becomes a, like injury prevention and making sure that you have like the basic mechanics down right. But then after that, because you're staying aerobic and you know that no matter how much you train, it probably still will hurt. Your body can adapt um, with time eventually. So, I mean, it was exciting for me because it was just like, who knows? Um, but it, yeah, it was definitely nerve wracking. And I think 
you know, I think it, 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 it was to my benefit. One, I, I wasn't so burnt out that I was like, Oh, I don't even want to run anymore. And that could happen if you're just training, 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 by the time the event actually comes, you're like, I'm so sick of running that I don't even want to do it. So I, I definitely think it helped because I was fresh mentally. Um, and then I think it helped because it made me more cautious than I might've been otherwise. Like, um, maybe I would have pushed a, a, a faster pace. Maybe I would have, um, you know, not have been as careful with recovery. So I think it was a good warning to me that like, yes, bodies do break down and yes, you have to take care of it. And yes, you know, you just have to be careful. So. That's always a refreshing answer to hear, I think, as ultra runners, because a lot of us, you know, we just want to push, push, push all the time. And, you know, it's not always the the answer or the smart thing to do. So I think that's a answer that hopefully a lot of people resonate with. I know I do personally, which is, which is awesome. Uh, kind of one thing that I want to talk about now is, you know, before we dive into the actual running part across Ohio, you know, there's a lot of preparation that I'm sure goes into this. Uh, what did that look like? You know, what tips do you have someone who's possibly looking to do something like this? And then what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. So I, that is one thing that I actually do really enjoy is like the planning aspect of it. And so I, you know, yeah, like I kind of broke it down to like the travel plan and the fueling plan and some of like the target deadlines and logistics and, and, you know, um, making sure that sponsors felt like they were, were, Um, being highlighted throughout it. And so I always say like, give yourself time to, for things, because there's always something that comes up or changes. And then um, what I found to be really encouraging is one of my friends happens to be like uh, the crew mom of ultra running is what she's been called by, by some. So, um, I think it's always great to have another set of eyes look over things. And, um, she gave me some pointers, like, especially with my nutrition plan that I haven't incorporated before, um, like incorporating turmeric and cherry juice and different things to help with the inflammation. And I found that to be really helpful just because I couldn't really afford to be sore the next day. I mean, I was, but like it, it, anything I could do to minimize the soreness for the next day. So I always, I always encourage others just to get others in their corner that could serve as like a mentor or a guide or, um, a sounding board. But, um, yeah, I mean, looking back, I guess it was a lot, but it was a lot, it was so worth it. Like, just, um, one of the other things that, I mean, for my journey, it was originally my friend following in her van and we were going to sleep in her van. And, uh, I, I was just like, my body's already suffering. I'm not going to make it that harder. But one of the things we did is we did get Airbnbs. And I think that helped a lot just to, you know, have easy access to cooking and easy access to laundry. And, Um, we didn't want to be changing houses every single night. So one of the other things that we did is just have like a home base for three or four nights and then move. And so we ended up driving more, but um, there were a lot of like logistics because 
one, it was not just a run. It was a charity fundraiser. So there were different charity events happening on the, um, like in Cincinnati, Columbus and Cleveland. And then there was also a filming component. And so that's something I'm really excited about because I've never really had a chance to share with video anything that I've done. And then it was like a Guinness thing. So there were witnesses that were needed. So there were definitely a lot of logistics, but I, de I definitely couldn't have done it if I didn't have other people helping make all those pieces and parts possible. And yeah, just kind of like being patient when things go wrong, because of course we got lost and um, things quote unquote went wrong. But um, that's what's fun about adventure is that you get the opportunity to problem solve. Like everyone needs one of those trail moms you were talking about. Yeah, I, I think I got a double dose though. Like I was looking back at pictures and um, one of them today, I was like, you know, Lori, you're an angel. And it was a picture of me um, because it was like very humid. So I kept dumping water on my head and the joke was like, am I drinking more water or like using more water and ice to cool off. But one of the pictures was me using, Lori, can I use your shirt? Because my glasses were all fogged up and, and uh, yeah, you, you can't really use the wicking type of clothes and all my clothes were wet. So yeah, having people around you that will be like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Like, <laughs> You do you. With all this uh, logistic planning, Eric Anderson in chat wants to know, why did you pick June versus a cooler month of the year? Um, so yeah, two regrets. One, <laughs> do it in the fall. Two, do it on an actual trail, like not concrete. And there were only like 10% that was like uh, crushed gravel, but um, because it was based on the filmmaker's schedule. And I mean, I was hopeful that it would be cool the whole time. Obviously it wasn't, but um, I have done some really hot Ironmans and they kind of left me feeling a little defeated by it because I was racing in heat. But after this, I don't know, I have the Garmin Enduro and it tells me when I'm like heat adjusted and heat acclimatized. And um, like by day seven and eight, it did reach a hundred with the heat index, but it really, because I was going in a, in a, at an aerobic pace, I felt like I was redeemed in that way from being able to be adjusted to the heat because it didn't really bother me at all. Um, it was kind of like, Oh, no need for a warm up. I'm all warmed up. Like it sometimes cold weather running, you could get really stiff and um, yeah. And I would just take ice baths every night. So that would really help reset me. And so, yeah, it was definitely hot. One of the days it was so hot and it, we were, it was the hottest day. And it, there were some parts that were on the main roads instead of like being tucked in the trail and, you know, beneath, between the trees and the, the tarmac and the, was so hot on the road that like tar was melting into my shoes. And I was, at first I thought I stepped in like horse poop because there were so many buggies and stuff, but yeah, I never, I mean, I've heard of like bad water about how you can 
fry an egg and do all these and like you have to walk on the the white line because there's less melting and that I, I don't know I thought that was kind of interesting that like that can happen a whole different perspective like <laughs> not a lot of people don't like to experience that you know on their regular runs or you know just even uh you know running across ohio it's absolutely incredible i want to know let's take us through the starting line you know you press your watch you get the gps going uh what was that moment like for you and just kind of walk us through that first day i mean i keep i kept saying it i said it on day one i said it till the end and it was just like I can't believe we convinced people this would be a good idea because we were, it was just like, Lori never really crewed anything like on that level. I've never done a running event, multi-day running day. Like I've done multi-day cycling, which is, it was like supported. And um, we've all never done anything quite like this. And even on day one, it was, leading a group run in a city that I didn't even really even know. And so, I mean, they were very gracious and being like, Oh yeah, we, we know we can help you out. And they were just pumped to be like running part of it. But I think, yeah, the first day was super hot. So it definitely felt like I was thrown into the fire literally just to have that shock but it it also made you know day two and three like you appreciate the cooler days but I don't know I feel like a lot of it is equivalent to like kids and their excitement for Christmas morning like that's how I feel about ultra running that um so much of our life can be calculated and and sometimes it's nice to kind of, even though I wasn't trained and even though we didn't really know what we were doing, um, it, it, it made it all that much more exciting because when do you get a, an opportunity just to kind of, um, you know, have that, that chance. So I know we were all very lucky to be in that position. And, um, I mean, we were all working really hard every day and, um, but mainly it was just kind of like, I can't believe this is really happening. (laughs) And then day two and three, it was like, um, because I have done uh, Ironmans, I think that helped me understand what like the feeling of running on like bricks, like that's what they call when you do a cycling, you know, workout and then you follow it by running. They call those bricks because your legs feel like bricks and day two and three, I was just like, will it ever end? Will it ever go away? Will it ever get better? And, um, like I definitely enjoyed it more if I wasn't watching my watch because there were certain days where I just had to go by feel and, um, you know, just focus on making sure I was fueling and doing the best I could in the body that was, you know, going through a lot, but So on that, on that first day, how did the charity kind of events work? Were there like a lot of like big, like you said, there was a group run, but was there like a a staged event at the beginning that you kind of had a discussion and did something and, and raised some money at that moment or, and went on, or was there anything on the second and third days or was it just, you know, when you hit the big cities? Um, so in Cincinnati, Columbus and Cleveland, there was a, an invite for runners to come join for the first 5k 
And then the charity, they're based out in uh, Minnesota, but they were able to come out in Cincinnati, Columbus and Cleveland. And um, they had like a table with information and coffee and bagels. So it wasn't like a, like a formal presentation. It was more like a casual um, meet and greet. And then aside from that, um, we did start every morning at eight and end around two or three. Um, we did do the eight o'clock start just because we needed like a witness to be like, yes, this happened. And yes, she finished. Um, and then there was like some media. So that kind of started to, you know, trickle as the journey. So there was sometimes like, um, you know, some kind of media in the morning if, if there was interest in and a lot of the the local communities like were kind of starved for good news, and so a lot of um, smaller towns were really excited when it went through, and um, so that was really cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, the starved for good news thing is is I think very true right now, and and to see something someone doing something that's helping others and being exciting, and you know, did you get people to just come out on their who came out and just waved and said hi, like random spots and stuff like that? Yeah, like especially in Columbus, there were kids with signs and like, (laughs) I don't know, it was just so cool. Um, Definitely closer to Cleveland, there were a lot more signs and um, at the halfway point, um, there were like, because during my, I rode across the Atlantic Ocean and um, on the, like on one of the milestones, I had a pod of dolphins cheer me on. So like there were these big inflatable four feet dolphins in the trees. And so <laughs> Scott, the film guy on his, his e-bike has all of the like tarped and bungee cords all on these um, inflatable dolphins. And so those were our like mascots. And so they, they joined us and um yeah, I was very concerned about my dolphins. They like sometimes I would call and be like, wait, where's the dolphin? Um, but yeah, those were our good luck cheerleaders too. So that was fun. What were those middle days like? Obviously, you know, in the beginning, there's such a big excitement going into this event. You know, at the end, you're excited to be done. But what was the middle days like? What was the grind of those miles like? And uh, how did you kind of get through those miles? Um. So... I did say multiple times, like, wow, it just keeps getting better. And I was expecting, so like the halfway was around a little bit past Columbus. And um, I don't know, I think I might've enjoyed it more as I went because every day gained a little bit more confidence and um, kind of like, understanding like some days certain foods I could eat and certain foods I couldn't some like day two and three I would I was so on adrenaline that I'd wake up and be like I should be running and like I was just yeah I was very amped but by day five and six I it became more like a habit and so it I never really needed to get pumped or motivated it was just kind of like what we did and I, I think by, uh, I think one of my best days was actually around day like seven where, um, I mean, there's like a corny quote that's like your run begins when you don't, when you 
when you don't realize you're running and I'm, and, and I, I can say that flow state is real. And one of the days I was in particular around day seven or eight, I was definitely like, I don't even care how far it is. I could go forever. This is so fun. And, and, and like the miles just go by and you don't care. And, um, but for the days when it wasn't like that, I was definitely listening to nineties music and just like having as much fun and singing out loud. And, um, if it was too hot, I couldn't sing just because I, my mouth would get too dry. And, um, some days it was so hot that I tried to breathe through my nose the whole time just to like, I don't know, get, keep my mouth from being so dry, but, um, yeah, music helped and just singing music also helped. Um, and then just, yeah, I mean, one of my goals from, for this was also to like love and still love running. And I, I'm really happy and to be friends with the crew. I mean, like, I think that's, I mean, I've heard it happen, like, because you're just under such an enormous amount of pressure and stress that it doesn't always bring out the best. And I've heard of that happening where people are like, not so nice and like bossy pants. And so I'm really happy that we're still friends and even better friends than when we started. So, um, yeah, I, I, surrounding myself with people that are positive, it was something that I know helped me on the journey. Awesome. Um, Jessica Kopowitz just jumped in the chat room and said, what an amazing accomplishment. She said, congrats, and thank you for running for such an important purpose. Um, and then as I'm going to, don't want to assume here, but I'm going to say that you still love running. I love running. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to run. I love running too much to just like hop back in there and run because I know my body needs recovery, even if I don't think it does. So yeah, definitely still love running. And then uh, I got another question from Eric Anderson in the chat says, seems like you really enjoy the, the planning and the self-sufficient adventures versus maybe like a traditional ultra running race. Is that true? Or do you also like running traditional races? I mean, my friend just texted me and was like, Hey, there's a Ragnar race and it's, you know, in New Hampshire. And I, I did run across New Hampshire last year. It was beautiful. And, um, I, I'm just like, well, how much? And it was like 300. I was nah. And, and I think, I mean, yeah, of course you had to pay for Airbnbs and there were expenses to it, but I don't know. I, I think sometimes just like doing something that's unexplored or, um, but yeah, maybe I will do more races. Um, I did talk to one of my friends about like doing a 200 mile race and yeah, I mean, I talked to her, I was like, why would it, why, why don't you just do it? Like, why, why would you do the race? Because it's self-supported too. So I think because I would like to her to be the crew, like main crew for it, and she would prefer the support of having it as an official race. So yeah, I mean, I think I am more intrinsically motivated. So um, 
And for ultras, you're really, you really can't compete against others because the second you start thinking about someone else and stop focusing on your own fueling and nutrition, your pace and your position and your cadence, I, it's almost like such a pure kind of thing as it is. So I don't know, maybe I will, I won't rule anything out, but I, I don't, for many reasons, I think I'm drawn more to trying new things, but. I think with your adventures, I mean, there's obviously got to be so many memorable moments. You talked about the dolphins on your rowing adventure and, you know, what was one of the most memorable moments about this trip for you? Um, I mean, I think it was the people we met and I mean, I do surround myself with a lot of runners and ultra runners. And, um, I think it was just really cool knowing that this was something that meant something to a lot of the cities and the smaller towns that we went through. And, um, yeah, just kind of meeting people that I, I, I wouldn't normally. And then definitely Cleveland. Like, I think there were probably two dozen runners that joined me and, um, that was just really encouraging. And I mean, knowing that some of like some of these, um, runners and were friends that I've had for years and never had run before and decided to do it. And then others were just, you know, people that found out about it on social media or so it, it was just cool to share that because so many of my journeys sometimes end up being solo that just being able to share a couple miles was really cool. What was it like kind of coming into Cleveland and having those runners with you? You touched on it a little bit, but like, what, what were the miles like? What were the conversations like? And like, did they bring you snacks or anything special like that take place out there? Um, so <laughs> Um, I didn't do caffeine because I needed to be able to sleep, but on day 11, I did do caffeine. So, um, Red Bull did give me wings. I did. I was actually like the fastest on the last day. Um, but yeah, I had like friends and family and, um, it was just very surreal. Um, I think it was also pretty special because Edgewater Park is also where the North Coast 24-hour nat- like the the national championship is hosted and that was where I did my first 100-mile run so it's a 0.9-mile loop. Um so I was a little bit like ever. So the actual trail is 326 miles, but I needed to do 341 miles to reach that 11th ultra marathon. So I ended up doing like eight loop, eight or nine loops at Edgewater park. Um, but which I normally wouldn't be like jazzed about, but it was really cool just because it was like, Oh yeah, I've done this before through the, 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 um, North coast 24 hour challenge. And then also every lap, like more people were coming and, um, yeah, it was definitely encouraging to be able to share that moment. 
Take us through the finish line. Obviously, you know, you finally finish. You're probably on the beach at this point, running into the water, I would hope. Uh, what was that moment like for you? I got in trouble. It only took me 60 seconds and I got in trouble. Like, um, I guess I should have known because I'm in the Coast Guard. I don't know. Uh, so my my mascots, my four dolphins, um, Lori, the main crew, and Deb, another uh, friend on crew, uh, and I, we had our, the four dolphins and we jump into Lake Erie and I'm floating around and I didn't realize the lifeguards were like blowing their whistle, but I guess we're not allowed to have inflatables in Lake Erie. So it was a short lived, uh, <laughs> dip into the lake, but, um, I mean, that was just, yeah, made it all the more fun just to know that, like, I mean, I, there was like one of the witnesses was like a police officer and he was like just let him you know but I don't know um yeah. but it was a really cool place to end like um they have a really nice beach house now and it's really um built up at Edgewater Park from what it was like a decade ago so. yeah Cleveland I think has been spending a lot of money investing in downtown area and stuff so yeah, yeah um pretty let's jump into like the purpose of this event. So we talked about the whole race, the whole 11 days, 11 ultras, you know, an amazing feat there, but why did you do it? So one of my like favorite sayings is if you have a strong enough, why you could figure out how, um, and my why is water. And I was studying, um, in Australia and I was studying environmental science and, um, they had a drought. So all the major headlines were about their water shortage. And there was this fear about when would the water run out and if it would run out. And, um, so that was already on the top of my mind water because I'm born and raised on the great lakes. And I mean, water for me was just something that, Oh, it's always there. It'll never run out. It's, infinite. And so I was taking a class and one of my professors was like, oh yeah, the wars of the future, they'll be because of water. And in some countries they're already at war because of water. And I was just like, wait, what? We need air. We need food. We need water. Like what, what do you mean this basic necessity we're going to be fighting over? It's just like equivalent to like people fighting over air. Like, oh, you're breathing my air. Like I, I just couldn't imagine something and and the, you know and we've always learned that you could go this many days without food but and only this many days without water and all of these things and i just couldn't believe it i couldn't believe that so many people were, were without something and i i mean it was enough to make my brain go crazy just thinking about we have planes and we have cell phones and we have all this technology and yet a billion people don't have water and so I, I was pretty defeated by it and shocked, but then there was hope in that there's charities that are, that are tackling this massive problem. And I think running and doing these challenges is the, is, is a, a parallel to the water crisis. It's this thing that seems impossible, but how do you do it? One person, how do you do it? One mile, you just kind of have to break it down and, um, and what is true is that it has improved and there they have seen improvements. And I mean, 
there's a million great causes to support. And what's great about water is it's not necessarily to support research. There's known solutions and they're cost effective. They're cheap. And so, I mean, yeah, why not water is probably the best question, right? So your charity that you support is H2O uh, for Life. Kind of talk about yeah. how you found them, uh, why you partner with them, and kind of what sets them apart from others. Yeah, so I really like H2O for Life because, I mean, most of the water crisis is happening outside of the United States. They do support water projects within the United States too, but the question that I've received a lot is like, well, what, what about here? Why, why aren't they helping here? And what H2O for life does that's kind of different is that they provide resources so that kids it's, it's, they primarily work with schools to help. So encourage schools to help schools in, in uh, the developing world, get clean water. So, um, they, with their service learning opportunities are, basically equipping kids to be engaged global citizens so that they have concern for others, they can develop empathy, they can um, learn things about just caring for others. And so um, they, they give them resources on how to, how to do these fundraisers and how to learn more about the issue. And so I think, I think a lot of times youth in the United States are starved for purpose and feeling like they're part of something bigger. And so that's kind of the need that I see them filling here in the United States. So they do have partners that do the actual building of the projects, but um, it's also really cool that I can go on their website, pick a project, see pictures, see on the GPS where it is, get, get all the information that gives me confidence in knowing that the work is being done and it's not just going somewhere and hoping it's going somewhere good. They can track and monitor the progress of the projects. Yeah. That, that accountability part's awesome. I don't yeah. see that in many, many, um, nonprofits. You just don't see the, that accountability part being publicized as well. Yeah. I mean, I personally, like I am intending at some point to go around the world, um, mainly by bicycle. And uh, yeah, I'd love to visit some of the projects on the way. So I know I personally am interested for that, that reason to visit some of those projects and learn more and hopefully do, do more to raise funds for more projects in the future. Before we move too far, I just want to go back to that last comment you made about biking around the world. <laughs> I just want to make sure, you know, our listeners didn't miss that. But, uh, you know, that's that was just like a very casual slip in there. Uh, is there ways to connect like the, the yeah, to connect it? Oh, or how does okay. that work? <laughs> All right. So let me, let me. So I rode across the Atlantic Ocean from West Africa to South America, most people go from island to island, or they might go from the US to UK. But I was very intentional because it was like, I want to go around the world by human power. And, and so I think the runner's mindset is kind of like, do the hardest thing first, because running is hard and we do hard things. So like, uh, yeah, I, I decided to do the row because I wanted to go around the world. And that was the hardest part. And that's why I did that route by the equator in that particular way. So 
that was, and the most expensive part about going around the world was the ocean. And so you can live on a bike for very $10 a day. If you're just camp wild camping, or there's a website called warm showers or couch surfing. And I've done that kind of stuff before. So, um, next year is when my, my three-year term for this, um, billet in the coast guard ends. And I'm planning on continuing from South America or South America to North America to Alaska. So that would be 12,000 miles, which yeah, cycling is great cross training for the, uh, the running, but that, that journey did begin with the row. I just, uh, yeah, just, uh, haven't gotten around to the next leg, but that is something. Well, we're excited to yeah, continue to see you kind of continue to go around the world here. Uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about is how did you decide that you're going to use your athletic ability to raise money in this way? You know, like a lot of people maybe not, don't know where to get started or, you know, maybe they want to kind of jump in, but like, why did you choose to use your athletics? Yeah. So I did my first marathon when I was 18 years old and, um, in my, like, I didn't know anyone who did these things. So I, I was like, oh, now I want to do an Ironman, but I need to learn how to ride a bike. So I, I mean, I know how to ride a bike, but I mean, like really ride a bike. And I haven't ridden a bike like that. It's mainly just putzing around as a kid and getting like commuting. So my, my logic was, okay, I want to do an event that is cycling now. And so that's when I stumbled across the big ride across America. And it was a 3,300 mile bike ride from um, Seattle to DC. And it was for the American Lung Association. And um, when I found out about that ride, just through Google, um, I recently my grandma had passed away and she passed away from lung disease and um i was her first granddaughter so she gave up smoking the day i was born to have more time and and i mean yeah i know that her commitment and her decision to give up an addiction is the reason why we had so many years together and so i definitely like i saw that bike trip and I had no idea how that would help with with the American Lung Association I had no idea about fundraising I didn't the concept was completely foreign like I'm gonna ride my bike and how is that gonna raise money exactly like so that is what that journey is what introduced me and and they gave some tools and resources on how to to do the fundraising and um I was definitely the youngest. And so it was like, you know, harder in certain ways because I didn't have this network of coworkers and all that. So, um, but it, it did, it, it gave me a lot of knowledge that I didn't have about how to, to do that. So as soon as I knew that that was a possibility, it, it, it really was like, well, why not? Of course. And, um, I mean, it, I, it is very effective. Like I last winter, because I'm in the Coast Guard, sometimes they phase out of their charts and stuff. And so I was making coasters for a cause and like making all these nautical coasters and selling them at craft fairs. And 
it raised like a thousand dollars and which is better than nothing. But I was just like, man, this running around in circles and this biking around in circles isn't bad when, <laughs> when you add it all up. And so the run across Ohio, the goal was to raise um, funds for 11 water projects or 34,000. And right now the totals around 38. Um, we, we increased it to 40,000 after reaching that 34. So I think it's just, yeah. And, th- and if anyone does want to donate they're they're, you know, they're still able to donate on the charity's website. So, um, I think it's awesome that you can do that. You can take anything that you're passionate about and use it in a way that can help other people. Um, we'll definitely put that link in the description below so people can find it if they're if they're wanting to go donate. Um, give you a quick breather real quick and just remind everyone who's watching. Um, if you like what we're doing here and you like this channel, just give us a uh, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. Um, and then kind of back to a question. You mentioned this in the beginning a little bit with your why. And even with in the bike race, the why. The why is like very strong with you. Like you're able to like mentally push yourself through so much because you have this very strong like reason for it um where where did that come from like that mental ability to push and it's probably the reason why you can do so many of these amazing things especially like being what the youngest person to row the atlantic if i'm not mistaken right and the first american um the first american to row yeah solo from uh africa to south america yeah, like these are all incredible feats, and it's it's the mental attitude I think that is the real like hidden gem here. And like I just I'm very curious about that and how you got there. I mean, I I guess like maybe this goes to believing and like knowing and like I guess faith has become a bigger part on my journey and just kind of recognizing that we are all given like our unique talents and abilities. And so um, I, I would never say, and no doctor would be like, oh yes, her body fat and her heart rate and everything is like a superhuman. Like I, I know that I fall in the realm of a normal, um, you know, nothing, on term in terms of like if you wanted to do a vo2 max test and do all those like tests it would fall in the normal but i would say that um some things that have been helpful for me is like i know i have a high pain tolerance i know that i can be optimistic i know that i could be stubborn and yeah on, and sometimes that's not a good quality to have but there's certain qualities that are good to have in doing these challenges but um i think all like qualities just like working out muscles in your body like i i do think that certain traits can also be exercised and strengthened so um I don't know. I mean, I definitely um, was always trying to keep up with my brothers and I have two older brothers. And so growing up with older boys and then all their friends, I think I kind of, I mean, I had fun trying to keep up, but like, I think that was something that taught me how to like push myself harder, but I don't know. 
I don't know. I would just say, God gives me what I have and I hope I can use it for something good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's been pretty obvious, you know, you've been using it for uh, really great things. And, you know, a lot of people are uh, really, it's inspiring to so many people. So it's been awesome to see. So uh, we're continuing to see you do bigger things as you continue to go here. Uh, it's the it's kind of that point in the show where we're going to kick to our quicker questions. Uh, Regeneration will know these ones well. We did modify them a little bit uh, for a, this big adventure style here. So we'll get dive into those. But if you guys have any final chat questions, uh, drop those in now and we'll get to those before we get out of here. Uh, but the first quick question is what's one food you kept going to, uh, going to when you saw your crew throughout the, throughout the 11 days? Watermelon. It's a great choice. <laughs> Never <laughs> enough watermelon. Yeah. That's amazing thing to eat when you're dehydrated. I like some people are like, are you sick of watermelon since that's all you really ate? And I'm like, no, <laughs> can always eat more watermelon. What's the uh, favorite place you've ever run? Where I haven't run yet. Ever run. Where you have. Where I have not run yet. I always oh. aspire to run oh, where I okay. have Oh, okay. There you go. Because yeah. there's a lot of places to run. Totally misread yeah. that. That's a oh. that's the best answer we might have ever had on this show. Yeah. Not that's awesome. That's great. That is awesome. Makes me thinking. So who are your inspirations in the running scene or adventure scene or just people you look up to? Uh. I mean, everyone says Courtney, like she's, she's a boss. Go Courtney, Courtney Dollop, Walter. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Doe Walter, something like that. Do I don't Walter. Know. She's a beast. Everyone just yeah. knows Courtney. <laughs> it's just Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Oh, you can get this one, Wesley. It's one of your favorites. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about this earlier. You know, it's a little prelude. Regeneration got excited in the chat for a second. You when you talked about like, your music choices throughout this. You know, we have a Spotify playlist that all of our guests get added to a song. You know, if you had, if Ultra Running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Or what was um, one song you kept going to throughout the 11 days? Well, this was more for running across Maine, but I only listened to one song and it was called Run, Run, Run. And it, I still like it. Uh, I, I don't know who, oh, Jungle Jungle, Kyle Pierce. Run, run, run. Listen to it. It's good. To check that out. I, but I, how many times did you listen to it? Do you know? <laughs> I don't know. 50? That's a, oh, 50 is not bad. That's not that bad. <laughs> Running across the bay, that's. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Eric Anderson's actually in the chat. He said, what is the best main trail to hit on vacation or for a run? I mean, I love Old Orchard Beach. It's just seven miles of beach. You could go barefoot and, you know, there's pizza and fries afterwards. So I I go for the beach. I mean, they, they do have like, if you want city, there's always like Back Cove and and that's, you can see like the lighthouses from there, but um, I'm always, I'm always gravitating towards the, the beach. And so, yeah. I know Eric appreciates the beach scene much like I do. So he'll, uh, he'll love that answer. Uh, John, I think you got the next question here. Yeah. Um, this one's one of our favorites too, as well. It says, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner and assuming they would be able to keep your pace, who would it be? Jesus. 
<laughs> I had a talk with my friend about this. Like, because when you're a Christian, you're supposed to be more like Jesus. And I, and we had to talk about it. And it was like, well, would Jesus be competitive running? And they're like, no. But so I don't know. I just, I would like to see what that's all like for Jesus to be running. I feel like he would do solo runs. That'd be awesome. Right. Uh, one, one final one here. Do you have any sponsors or anyone you want to say thank you to before we get out of here? Yeah. So uh, Newton Running uh, supported me on the run, Tailwind, and then Sawyer Products. They uh, funded the film and it's going to be called Running Home. So hopefully it'll be available at uh, different film festivals in Ohio and maybe beyond. Do you know the timeline estimate for that? Um, so we're looking to submit for the August deadline for some of these. So yeah, it probably wouldn't be for another three to six months until it's actually in things. So but hopefully it'll be worth the wait. We'll uh, make sure to tag Regeneration in it so they can uh, go back and watch the film when it finally is released. So cool. Sounds good. I think that's about it for this so far with all the questions any other i don't think there's any other chat questions to go through um one more from eric anderson just says in the past you use almost all liquid nutrition is that still the case it is so i use tailwind um pretty much and like that's it and then um i did notice that it was really hard to eat solids again like my stomach was so tiny from just drinking and not eating any food so I started incorporating more bananas and watermelon just so my stomach had something to do and didn't feel like hey what's all this food doing in here we don't know what to do with it so um I find the liquid only is it works for me and it was really it worked really well for for uh Ohio so I probably will stick with it for future stuff. Well, uh, we want to say a big thank you for joining us tonight. You've been a great guest. It's been awesome to hear about everything that you're doing, the race, all of the fundraising involved with the race and all that kind of stuff. We'll, like I said, we'll put all those links down below in the description for this. And then once the film comes out, we'll also drop it in the description so that it's there for if anyone stumbles upon this in the future. Um, cool. Everyone at Ridgewinter Nation, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being in the chat and active. I think that's about it. Got anything else, Wesley? No, I think that's it. Uh, we'll see everyone on the next one. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 oh,